Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath, Elliot. <laughs> Sit down. Welcome, replicants, to Geek Salad, episode 63. Aloha, Mr. Hand. Aloha. I'm Andy. I'm Mike. And we're going to be talking today all about the uh, our tribute to the 30th anniversary of what I consider to be the greatest year of the 80s, 1982. Yes. And we're going to be focusing mainly on the movies this time. Yeah, because, let's face it, we're movie nerds. Exactly, exactly. But we'll probably have a few episodes throughout the year for music and television, maybe some pop culture oh, stuff no in there. About that. Well, we have to talk about cats. Well, where's Edward? <laughs> no, not those cats, you fool. Oh. Um, but it really is a big genre. It's a big year for genre movies. Yeah, 82 it really is. brings up... And all these movies that we're going to be talking about are really going to be like, oh, I love that movie. I haven't seen that movie in forever. And, I mean, these are the kind of movies that when they're on TV, you'll stop and you'll watch them. Yeah. Because you love them. Um, these are the movies you're going to, you know, force your kids to sit and watch. And, um... Don't get me wrong. There are some crap movies there. Oh, God. There's tons of crappy movies. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. All right. Um... So, but the re- another reason why this year, the anniversary of 1982, is such a big thing is because this year, 2012, mm-hmm. is kind of like the new age of the uh, the nerd. Yeah. In terms of movies. I mean, you've got, well, for, let's hope we get the Avengers. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, the boy. Avengers. I ran out of lotion and tissues that day. Yes. Um, there, there's that. The Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and even stuff like, you know, these little fringe things like John Carter from Mars. We got uh, the new Bond movie, isn't it? Oh, new Bond movie is coming out, exactly. Um, there's tons and tons of stuff that's coming out this year that's just, it's so exciting. It really is a good time to be a nerd. It really is. So, um... We, we should stop in for a moment and mention that we were going to be joined by a lot more people today, but, um... Uh, Jim and Adam are both getting ready to go on a vacation. Yep. Adam's already on one. Yep. And uh, Mike, Mike was, was unable to make, a, yeah, make it this un- evening. He had some plans. Un- he was unavoidably detained. Yes, exactly. So uh, let's kick everything off with a uh, visit from Chris's Cultural Corner. KKK, that's not good. And Chris writes, I can't believe 1982 was 30 years ago. Where's the time gone? 
Anyway, on to this podcast subjects. The movie of 1982. What a great year for movies. There was stuff like An Officer and a Gentleman, Gandhi, Sophie's Choice, Tootsie, and of course, one of the greatest movies ever, Grease 2. Let's face it, the only reason to watch Grease 2 was one name, Eddie Deason. Ooh, I was going to say Adrian Zmed, but yeah, you beat me on You, you trump me. You, you use the Deason trump card. Yeah, the Deason trumps everything. Oh, dear. Chris goes on to write, but seriously, here are some of my favorite movies from that year in no particular order. Number one, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, one of the innovators of the teen sex comedy genre so popular in the early to mid-80s. My favorite scene, as I'm sure most of us guys who grew up in the 80s, was the Phoebe Cates fantasy pool scene. You know how cute I always thought you were. Yeah. I became a man to that scene. <laughs> I was four, so I couldn't see that scene. Well, yeah, but it's not like... Video is forever. Yes. And, oh damn. I can't... I honestly cannot hear the car she moves in stereo <laughs> without immediately thinking that Phoebe Cates is just going to pop out of some body of water and, and take her top off. Correction, Phoebe Cates from 30 years ago. Oh, yes, Phoebe Cates from 30 years ago. I, I, I don't want Kevin Klein's wife now. I, no. Um, it, it's, it's such a fun movie. Uh, have you ever... You, you, no, you, you told me you only I, seen I've clips. I've seen clips of it. I've never seen the whole thing. All right. What are, what are your impressions just based on the clips? I'm glad we got rid of Judge Reinhold when we did. <laughs> Scourge of the Nation, Judge Reinhold. Um, it's such a funny movie to watch because the Sean Penn... That appears in that movie is not the same Sean Penn of today. No, you, that's a Sean Penn that you never see anymore. No, you don't see the goofy Sean Penn. Which is weird because he's got that in him. Where has it gone? Oh, he just became too self-important and serious. You know, a lot of people expect that maybe Mark Cutback Davis or Bob Jungle Dead Gerard would take the honors this year. Oh, those guys are fags! That's fantastic. Let me ask you a question. When you get out there, do you ever fear for your life? Well, Sue, I'll tell you, surfing's not a sport. It's a way of life, no hobby. It's a way of looking at that wave and saying, Hey, bud, let's party! Hmm, quite right. Yeah, um, but it is a fantastic is. movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's got a great soundtrack, filled with 80s stuff. I mean, it opens up with um, the Go-Go's We Got the Beat. Okay. Um, there's uh, the, the aforementioned Cars song, mm -hmm. Somebody's Baby from uh, uh, Jefferson, uh, sorry, Jackson Brown, where the uh, Jennifer Jason Lee gets deflowered in a, um, in a Little League dugout. Good for her. Yes, exactly. Um, it was like one of the first movies I remember seeing also where there were actual like sex scenes in it. But they were awkward, weird sex scenes, much like high school. Well, this was also the same year of Porky's. It was, it was, but we are going to talk about that a little bit. That's not on Chris's list. So moving on to Chris's number two on this list, Airplane 2, the sequel. No, it wasn't as funny as the original, and no, no the ZAZ, the Zaz team, wasn't directing this movie. But I still think the movie had some very hilarious moments, especially the scenes with William Shatner's commander, Buck Murdoch. Here's one of Chris's favorite scenes. Commander Murdoch? What is it, Lieutenant? Sir, the Mayflower's in trouble. She's coming in hotter than a firecracker, sir. Their computer's down, they've lost their crew, and they're flying on manual control, sir. We better get to the tower, Lieutenant. We have no tower, sir. No tower? Just a bridge, sir. Why the hell aren't I notified about these things? 
Lieutenant, how would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. There's got to be a better angle. Um, again, this... I really could take or leave this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it was trying too hard to be Airplane 1 in feeling miserably. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, Airplane, the first Airplane movie is the gold standard for, for absurdist comedies. Absolutely hilarious every time you watch every it. Every time. You don't not laugh when you see that no. movie. You don't not talk along with that movie when you see that movie. Airplane 2, not so much. No. I mean... Yes, William Shatner's scenes were probably... William Shatner probably stole that movie. Yeah. Um, but this was... I mean, this was T.J. Hooker. Yeah. This, is, this isn't, like, private practice. Uh, no, this was the... Uh, this was the... This was William Shatner back when he was just starting his self-depreciating. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to the next one. Chris's uh, number three is Blade Runner, a sci-fi classic. Nuff said. The favorite scene he has, the ultimate fight between Deckard and Roy. As a defeated Roy is dying, he delivers a soliloquy on his eventful existence, and then he dies. I've seen things. You people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten hours of gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. This movie bored the hell out of me. Really? It really does. I I, I try to watch it and it just I get like halfway through and I'm just uh-huh. Oh. There is something about this movie. It's it, it is not the easiest movie to watch. I'll agree with you. Yeah. It's um it's very much a sci-fi Sam Spade type movie. It's very much a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah, yeah. But this movie is gorgeous. Yes. When you yes, watch this movie, cuz I um <laughs> which is kind of odd when you're talking about um um oh, what's her name? Hannah Oh, D- Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. Yeah. Oh boy! Don't normally take her and gorgeous in the same sentence. Now she used to be attractive just... for about five seconds. Yeah, exactly. But that was Splash. Oh yeah. But um, no, it's just such a good-looking movie, even though it's it's filthy. Yeah. I mean, everything is just—it's always raining, and um, but the skyscapes and the cityscapes are just so beautiful, and there's that. That one scene they keep that there's that one shot they keep cutting to where the cars are kind of flying through yeah. and you got the Coke billboard with the uh, the geisha mm-hmm. like putting whatever yeah. in her mouth and it's such as a cool iconic scene. Um, <clears throat> I just I think I think that is fantastic and that movie takes place in 2019. So you know what that means? We're about uh, what seven years away from flying cars. Yes. Cool. So, between Back to the Future promising to us in three years, and Blade Runner in another two years, 
I don't think we're going to have flying cars. Uh, we're not going to have flying cars. You lied to us. You fucking lied to us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Chris's number four is Tootsie. There had been a cross-dressing-themed movies before Tootsie. Some like it hot comes to mind, but none did as brilliantly as Tootsie. There are so many memorable scenes in this movie. The calling a taxi scene, the I once played a tomato scene, and the I begged you to get th- therapy scene. Wait, 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 wait. I'm new in town and I'm awfully lonely. I wondered if you wouldn't mind buying me lunch. Wait, wait, hold on. You can't. Oh. Gregory, this was... Ah! George, 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 George. It's Michael Dorsey, okay? Your favorite client. How are you? Last time you got me a job, it was a tomato. Oh, no, no. Yeah? No, no, no. Swear to God. Michael. Yeah. Oh, God, I begged you to get some therapy. I know, and you also told me that no one would ever hire me oh, again. Jesus Christ, do you think this is going to make a difference? I got a soap, George. I'm the new woman administrator on Southwest General. You are what? Congratulate me. They almost didn't hire me because they thought I looked too feminine. Something from the bar. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Please, could you get, get huh? me a double vodka right away, please? You know, For the lady? Oh, <clears throat> how about a uh, Dubonnet with a twist? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. That's a lovely blouse. Thank you. Welcome. Which, uh, but I thought the, the funniest scene was the uh, Rita. I'd like to you to make her look a little more attractive. How far back can you pull? Cameraman, how do you feel about Cleveland? <laughs> Uh, fantastic stuff. Yeah. It is... Have you ever seen Tootsie? No. You've never seen Tootsie? Oh, God. Tootsie... The writing in Tootsie is really what makes the movie. I mean, the acting is fantastic, but it's such a a crisp, tight, well-written comedy that they actually use it for screenwriting classes. George Gaines is hitting on Dustin Hoffman. Yes, I understand that. That does not make for good cinema. Yeah, well, it does. It does if he's you know pretending to be a woman. That makes for even worse in my in my imagination. Yeah, I, I think you need to watch it because it's yeah. it's not I've, as it's not I've as horrifying clips. as it sounds. I don't know, I've seen clips and she does not make an attractive woman. No, she's not. She's not supposed to make an attractive woman. I she's know. just supposed to try to make a convincing woman, at least convincing enough for people to think that she can star on a soap opera. Yeah. Um. I, I, I really love this movie. I, I just... I, I bought it on DVD a few years ago. I'm like, oh, wow. What a great movie. I need to watch this more often. And then I haven't watched it since. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Too many other movies in the way. <laughs> uh, Chris's number five, Richard Pryor, Live on the Sunset Strip, the legendary concert movie from the legendary comic. His favorite scene would, it was the Richard Pryor... I think it would be the I'm Burning Up scene... <laughs> But I thought the in the jungle scene was better. Um, I will attempt to try to find clips for this. I doubt that will happen. And I, I'm just not going to insult anybody in my audience by um, trying to do Richard Pryor. But I, I thank God every day, Jack. I do. I say, God, thank you for not burning my dick. Because most people said, you've been punished by God. I say, no, if God wanted to punish my ass, he'd have burnt my dick. Now that's some punishment. Because when that fire hit my ass, my dick went to work. (laughs) Emergency! Piss, come, do something! Keep the fire off the balls! Richard Pryor is hilarious. He is very funny. Yes. He is very funny. And that's probably the, the funniest he ever got. Oh, yeah. All right. Number six, Rocky Three. Booyah. Rocky versus Clubber. 
I think it was the only Rocky movie where Rocky faces the main antagonist twice in the same movie. He only faced Apollo once in each of the first two movies. Same with Drago, Tommy Gunn, and Mason, the line, Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. What are, do you like, have you ever actually watched Rocky 3? Oh, yes. All right. What, what are your thoughts on Rocky 3? Mr. T scared me. Yeah. He scared me when I first saw it. Watching it now, it's a lot less entertaining as it was back then. Yeah. It's very dated. Yeah. I but... used, I thought this movie was badass when I first saw it. Now, keep in mind, I was 10 years old when this movie yeah. came out. I thought this was badass because, first of all, you got Eye of the Tiger as your theme. Eye of the Tiger is never a bad song. No. You are un-American if you do not like <laughs> Eye of the Tiger. Seriously. Go back to Russia, commie. But... It's just such a... I was just so pumped. And it's such... When you go back and watch it now with adult eyes, it's so stupid. Yeah. Oh my god, what a terrible movie. Not to mention the fact that there's that really great homoerotic scene between uh, Apollo and Rocky when they're running on the beach. And Rocky finally beats Apollo. Then they start hugging and making love <laughs> in the sand and, and all that. Their bodies glistening. They didn't actually go that far, but you could <laughs> tell it was coming. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I always thought too because this was this this is the movie that introduced us to, uh, well first of all it introduced the mainstream to Hulk Hogan yeah as Thunderlips, <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right, just to put this in perspective, Hulk Hogan's done about twenty movies since. This is his best acting for three minutes of being a complete d wad. <laughs> it's also the best acting he's ever done in any of the WrestleManias too. That's that's very very true. <laughs> but it also gave us Mr. T. Yes. Yes, yes. I, th- I always thought that the byline for Rocky Three should have been, This summer, fools will be pitied. Hey, Mr. T. Uh, I'm Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. I am so honored you wanted to come check out one of our band rehearsals. Quit your jibber-jabber. It's time to fight some fools. What are you talking about? What's your name? The Foo Fighters, right? Then why aren't you fighting fools? What's all this mumbo-jumbo about music? Uh... Come on, let's go fight some fools. Hey, aren't, aren't you Mr. T? Shut up, fool. Fight this fool. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, fool! Punch him in the microfiche! Overdue charges! Give me a penny! Come on! I think there's some more fools this way! Mr. T, I think we have to stop fighting fools together. You think everyone is a fool? That ain't true, fool! See? Oh my god, you're right! Now I see! It is I that have been the biggest fool of all! You must fight me! But it won't be easy! I put a bite! Shut up, fool! I pity that fool! And then he went on and become beloved in, in the A-Team. Yeah, the A-Team. And I saw him the other night in an Old Navy commercial. Sad, <laughs> sad, sad. He's not even like... The Mohawk... I mean, the Mohawk is his signature thing. And now it looks... Because it was, it was pretty tight. Yeah. Like, it was just, you know, very very tight to his head and all that. And now it looks like he, he wants to grow out an afro, at least in the back of his head. <laughs> Because everything else is kind of tight. Like, you know, a 60-year-old man's hairline is going to go. Yeah. Except it balloons out in the back of his head. <laughs> oh, Mr. Now T. Now these khakis, fool. <laughs> what is Mr. T's real name? Um, It's Tyrone something or other. Okay. Yes. But you just call him Mr. <laughs> um, and how, how long was this away from uh, Mr. T's gymnastic commandos or whatever? Um, two years. It was only two years. <laughs> 
And then came the cereal. <laughs> yes, yes, oh. fools will be pitied. Yes. Uh, number seven on Chris's list, Star Trek II, The Wrath of... The best Trek movie of them all, including the Next Generation ones and the reboot movie, Blaspheme. Just going to say that right now, Blaspheme. I love this movie. It's been ages since we've used that clip. The, the, the con clip? Yeah. Yes, it has. I'm nice. gl- Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, I, I, you know, here's the thing. I don't think you can compare the reboot no. to the Wrath of Khan. Now, in original canon, yes. In my opinion, we've and we've had this discussion, so I'm not going to beat it into the ground. Yeah, I think uh, Star Trek II is the best movie out of all of them. And you you go with four. Yeah, I think two is the second best. They make it back to their own time. They they let the whales loose, which yeah. I would have loved to see them like just shoot the whales out into space for some reason, like <laughs> like Willsey X. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know why aren't the whales talking? Captain, the whales don't have oxygen. <laughs> Damn it! Come on! Okay, yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, we love this movie, but we've talked about it a lot, so we're going to yes, move on. <laughs> um, and finally on Chris's list is Tron. For someone... Yeah. For someone who loves video games, this movie is a must-see and definitely delivered. It had mind-blowing computer graphics, especially for that time. His favorite scene was the light cycles. Of course. Again, we've talked about this movie on episode 1, on episode ten. 15, yeah, what, 10. 15, 20. We've gone over it a lot. Um, it definitely falls within that time, and I think this is one of these movies that failed horribly at the box office when it first got released. Because it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time, and nobody could understand what the hell was going on. Yeah. But then, I mean, when we get into the um, kind of the more popular movie list, this one's going to really come up. Yeah. Uh, Chris does have uh, one dishonorable mention on his list, <laughs> the pirate movie. <laughs> Christopher Atkins and Christy McNichol star in this loosely based takeoff of the Pirates of Penzance. I remember this movie being on HBO sometime in the mid-80s and it was fairly unwatchable then. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. I mean, I'm not the greatest uh, Gilbert and Sullivan fan in the world, as our friends the Legues will be like, Blaspheme! But, um, yeah. Just Pirate movie, no. Was, wasn't very, wasn't very good exist. at all. Um, so, let's, let's go through some uh, listener feedback. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, I love that everybody kind of got, got in on board on this. Nice. So, um, I, you know, I just put the call out. You know, what are some of your favorite movies of 1982? Christine brought up that she loves Tron and E.T., mm-hmm. which we're, we have our own little segment for, so we're not really going to get into that. Yeah. But the one movie that Christine really adores is My Favorite Year. Never saw that one. My Favorite Year is one of the greatest un- underrated comedies of all time. It's got oh. Peter O'Toole and uh, Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers, Marklin Baker in it. So he has done other things. Yes, he has. This is actually his film debut. Okay. It is... Let me just describe this movie real quick. It's about this um, guy who's a writer for um, like a, a takeoff of uh, Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows. Okay. All right. Which is kind of just... It's a sketch comedy in the uh, the 1950s. Yeah. 
where you know this was this is the biggest show on on TV. Yeah. And uh, their, their special guest for that week was going to be this Errol Flynn like character, Lynn Swan, played by Peter O'Toole in his drunken best. Um, Peter and, O'Toole can never play a good actor unless he's drunk. Exactly. Well, that's his, but that's the point. Yeah. But he. Um, so this this guy Benji uh, Benji uh, Mark Lynn's character Lynn Baker's character kind of has to take care of him because they're just afraid of all the drinking and humping that uh, <laughs> that Lynn Swan is going to do just to get him ready for showtime on Saturday. So he's essentially got him for one week. Ah, Stone, time for lunch. What? Uh, yeah, just go to the lounge. This is for ladies only. And so is this, ma'am. But every now and again, I have to run a little water through it. It sounds like they remade it as get him to the Greek. Um, a little bit, maybe? It sounds similar to that. Uh, but he's not nearly as unbearable as uh, um, God, Russell Brand is. Yeah. Um, but there's this great scene where Benji convinces uh, Lynn to come home to dinner with him because his, his, his Jewish mother is always like, why don't you come home? Why don't you come home? So he brings him, he brings him home to Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, where there's his, you know, his... His big Jewish mother, played by Lenny Kazan. Um, his stepfather, who is a uh, Korean bantamweight, <laughs> called Rookie Karaoke. Or they call it, you call it like Rookie Karaoke. And yeah, This was back in the 80s where you could get away from... Oh, God, yeah. That. And it's just, the, the, this dinner scene is just, they try to be so polite, and then they ask him the most scandalous things. It's like Benji's uncle is like, well, now we've sat. We've broken bread. Mr. Swan, I believe that we are friends. Yes, indeed we are. So can I ask you a question? Certainly. Did you stop that girl that the newspapers <laughs> were saying that you were going to... <laughs> so, <laughs> great movie. If you, if you haven't seen it, go out and rent it. You can take my copy home tonight. Okay. It's a, it's a great... It's a quick movie. It's like an hour 40. Uh-huh. But it's an easy hour 40. It's not much, not much heaviness on there. Um, Mirna brought up uh, The Dark Crystal, another movie we've talked about ad nauseum, but it definitely fell within this type of... Yeah. It, it was at the tail end of 82, so it's like one of those just kind of made it mm. movies. Definitely a, a groundbreaking genre mm. film. Yes, exactly. Um, Mirna brought up that it was creepy and weird, the puppetry, and the, it has great puppetry, a great story, and a new language created for the Gelflings. Mm. Um, she actually had her kids watch it last year, so her kids are older, so okay. I'm not going to do that with Scarlet yet. Oh, look, Chris has another one here. Um, Money Python and the Hollywood Bowl. Yes, yes, I was going to bring that one up as well. Oh, yes, what a, what a great movie. Yes. Oh, so it's- many great sketches. Oh, I've had a bitch of a morning in the high court. Oh, oh I could stamp my little feet the way those councillors carry on. Oh, don't I know it, love. Oh, dear. Objection here, objection mm. there. That nice policeman giving his evidence so well. Oh, ah. Uh, Beautiful speaking voice. And what a body. Oh, yeah. Oh, ah. Uh, <laughs> well, after a bit, all I could do was bang me gavel. Do what, love? I bang me gavel. Oh, get away. I did. Oh. I did my silence in court bit. Oh, yes. If looks could have killed, that prosecuting counsel would have been in for 30 years. <laughs> this was back, um, this was like one of the last times that the gal got together, I think. Yes, I think it was. It was no, it was before um, Meaning of Life. Oh, it was? Meaning of Life was released in 83. Oh, okay. So, 
Um, Kim seconds the Great Crystal. Um, the Great Crystal? The, the Sorry, the Dark Crystal. Well, it was the Great Dark Crystal. <laughs> Uh, she she wants to add that they're a cool story and fan, a cool story in a fantasy world. Crazy characters and the villainous Skeksis who speak with Evil Grover's voice. <laughs> evil Grover. Yes, and then um, Phil brings up that because he was amazed how what a great movie year this was for movie. And I think a lot of people who actually took this task to heart and started looking just noticed how many great movies there were. Yeah. Um, he brings up the Last Unicorn. I love that movie. I had only watched it once when I was like a cynical 13-year-old. And then Autumn bought it on DVD. So I sat and I watched it again. That movie is fucking terrifying. It does have its moments, yes. Yes, um, especially since Angela Lansbury, the woman who most closely reminds me of my own grandmother, (laughs) is the most terrifying character in that movie. She's awful. Yes, she is. And speaking of awful, Mia Farrow's singing in that movie. Yeah. You know what? Disney had had it right when they're like, okay, you can do the voice, but you're not getting anywhere near the goddamn music. I can't remember. I was long ago. Someone So, I mean, some, it, it was the 80s, and, you know, in tribute to Jim, someone must have had a gigantic mirror of cocaine, <laughs> and they're like, hey, I got a great idea. Let's let Jeff Bridges, Alan Arkin, and Mia Farrow sing. <laughs> but I, I love this movie, though. It, yeah. It, it's Yes, it's freaky, but there's there's a lot of emotion to it. Um. Yeah. It's it, no, you're right. You're right. It is. It, there's a lot of emotion to it. Now, I always heard that they tried to either make a live action, mm-hmm. like a live action version of the movie, but still using the voices of Mia Ooh. Farrow and Jeff Bridges. Ooh. Yeah. That wouldn't work out nearly as well. No, not at all. Um, Phil also just want to bring up though that um, if he wanted to be a sarcastic a hole, he'd bring up Basket Case. But he also remembers seeing Rocky Three with his dad yeah. in his Chevette. Basket case, that's a tribute to you, Mike C. Yep, that's right. Terrible. Actually, you know who was a big fan of the movie Basket Case was our friend Emmett from high school. Because Emmett had no taste in movies. <laughs> Everything with these awfully, you know, awful like puppet driven horror movies and just like Basket Case. Yes. Um and kind of to, to round out the list here, Brian um Brought up Tron, of course. Of course, but the mighty ape Cod brought up one we haven't brought up yet: Beastmaster. It was foretold by witches. It was conceived through sorcery, and it was to be destroyed by all that is evil. But the courage of one mortal saved it, and so into an age of darkness. In a time of mysticism, sacrifice, and plunder, there came the only light, the Beastmaster. Ferrets. 
ferrets. Yes, exactly. Um, and, these, John, and John Amos in leather bondage gear. Yeah. It is... It's such a Conan wannabe. Yeah. Which is funny because it came out the same year as Conan. And with... Um, Mark, Mark Singer. Mark Singer, that's right. Mark Singer as Dar. Mark Singer was no um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, God, no. See, the thing is, also, Rip Torn is in that movie as the villain. <laughs> well, I mean, you got Rip Torn in Beastmaster. You got um, James Earl Jones as some kind of mystic oh, yeah. priest serpent thing. Right. Well, the funniest thing about the movie is because I was I went looking for clips of Beastmaster because I haven't seen it in twenty five years maybe. Yeah. Um, when you, you can actually watch the entire movie on YouTube just in like fifteen different increments. Yeah. And the first like the, the placard is like the Lowenstein the Lowenstein Investment Group presents <laughs> Beastmaster. <laughs> when you've got when you've got the producers of your of your filming a investment group you know you get problems yes exactly yeah yeah it's definitely one of those terrible like i tie it's a spaghetti uh sandals movie yeah so let's um oh actually you know there's one more thing i forgot oh yeah i forgot we got one more thing to uh bring up before we actually get into some of our lists okay um you're not gonna believe who sent mike an email today oh yes that's right it's Nick from Canada. Take it away, Nick. Take through the great Take it's a beauty way to go. Take There is nothing wrong with your audio device. Do not attempt to adjust the sound. I am controlling the transmission. For the next few minutes, sit quietly and I will control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery that reaches from the inner mind to... The Canadian Limits. Greetings and salutations, Geek Salad. This is Nick from the Great White North here to toss my two cents in regarding the Poltergeist movies. Now, this is a movie that I really enjoyed uh, because of the simple premise that unless one shows a respect for the past and the dead, one cannot truly have a present or even a future. The movie basically falls around the fact that these ghosts of a graveyard that was left to be desecrated by the developers began to show their impact on the natural world. This was evidence in the fact that they tried to basically abduct the family's youngest daughter, Carol Ann. Basically, when you get right down to it, unless one has respect... No one can have a future. This movie was one of the best of 1982, but I felt it was further violated by the prequels, or not the prequels, the sequels that came out when the introduction of the main character, Henry Kane, which they tried, I guess they tried to put a 
central villain around the whole concept rather than just leaving it for the people's imaginations to take him where they wanted to go and tried to force him into where other people wanted to go. As my one friend Eric actually said, you could actually sum up the last two movies with basically one expression. Carol Ann, Carol Ann, Carol Ann, Carol Ann, Carol Ann, and so forth. So, if you want a good movie that will actually stretch your imagination and make you actually wonder about what's on the other side, I find the Poltergeist movies to be a perfect example of this. And that's my two cents. On a more personal note, I'd like to apologize to everybody for my extended absence. Life in general has its way of kicking one in the teeth, and, well, a lot of things have changed in my life as of late. But, given what I have heard, I figure that it is now time for me to make a small comeback, and possibly more in the future. So, with the news as of hand, I'd like to wish Andy a very happy birthday. Congratulations on hitting the 40 mark. May you have very many, many, many more years to go. So, with everything said and done, I should now release you to the regular Geek Salad programming. As always, be well, take care of yourselves, and above all else, take off, eh? Well, I agree with Poltergeist. That movie scares the piss out of me. It didn't scare me the first time I saw it because I first saw it when I was like 20-something. Oh, okay. I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah they didn't let me see that when, when I was young. All yeah, right, thank so. you. And uh, thank you, by the way, Nick, for the birthday wishes. Yeah. Very nice. I'm not 40 yet. I've got less than two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, when I start getting into the like the single-digit day countdown, then then pray for Andy. Ply him with liquor. Um, I'll be looking for the uh, red Ferrari out in front. <laughs> you know where I work. You know how much money I make. That ain't happening. <laughs> um, but it's great to have you back, Nick. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get more of you. Yeah. Okay. So too long. It's been too long. It has been way too long, eh? So let's move on to the top ten movies, the top ten grossing movies of 1982. This is what the audience paid money for. I think we should call it count them backwards. Yeah, and half of these movies, they, they paid way too much. Yep, okay. Mike, Starting take, with number 10. Yes. Now, what is number 10? Annie. Yeah. This yeah. Was, this, we mentioned this one before on our overrated movies of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. This movie, well, I don't even think this movie is that well regarded to be overrated. I know, like, and I can speak for my wife on this one, that she really did have a soft spot for it when she was a child. Yeah. Even, but... This is one of those movies, though, where, you know, nostalgia will, will distort your image of anything. This is one of those movies where reality just was crashing down afterward. That it's just not a good movie. Yeah, I remember watching this one when I was a kid. There was no nostalgia. This movie freaked the hell out of me. Why, was, why did it freak the hell out of you? Because, you know, she almost dropped to her death from the Brooklyn Bridge. And Carol Burnett was just an, an evil, evil, nasty person. Well, yeah. That'll happen. This just was not a very likable movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's such a... You know what the funny thing is? I, I know I mentioned this before, but there have been TV versions of it where they just cut out all the music. 
That would probably would have made a better movie. It would. Uh, it makes it at least thirty minutes shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. What yep. What has that actress done since? Then? Uh nothing. Okay. Nothing. So moving on. Yeah. Number nine of the movies of nineteen eighty two. The best little whorehouse in Texas. Have you ever seen this movie, Mike? No. All I know is it's got um, Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton in it. Okay. Yeah, and it's also got Jim Neighbors in it. And Charles oh, wow. Durning and uh, Dom DeLuise. Um, you got a whole... You got, that's, that's at least a metric ton right there. Yes, exactly. Now, this movie is based... Uh, this is actually the second musical. Annie's a musical. Yeah. And Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is a musical. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas yeah, it is based on a musical. Um, but and it's known for a couple of reasons. One is that it's the, the movie where I Will Always Love You first came. Okay. Because it was Dolly Parton's song before it was Whitney oh, Houston's right, song. Right. And lately, and I don't know if in your store they did this, in my store we did, because I, I wasn't letting my team not listen to Christmas music. They played the song Hard Candy Christmas to Death. And that comes from Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I know that song. I didn't know it came from Best Little Whorehouse. Yes, exactly. It's about a girl who's just wishing for a decent Christmas after, you know, pretty much having to take it from all ends from the entire uh, Houston football team and <laughs> wait, wait 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 I thought that was Debbie Dozellis it's also the best little whorehouse in Texas <laughs> wow wow yeah. yeah if you had music to Debbie Dozellis you got best little whorehouse in Texas pretty much pretty much alright what's number 8 Mike number 8 well we just mentioned it Poltergeist yes uh, let's move on before I shit myself again <laughs> it's a fun movie it is a fun movie it's just terrifying to me yeah well, no. just, just remember you got the little old wrinkle lady. Oh, God. Zelda Rubenstein. Yes. Ooh. All right, number She's seven on the list. Uh, 48 Hours. Eddie Murphy in his film debut. Yes. Um, this is a fun movie. I haven't seen this movie in forever, though. Eddie Murphy playing against Nick Nolte. Exactly. And both of their, <laughs> both their careers have now hit a rock bottom. Well, not so much Nick Nolte. He's been nominated for a few Oscars since uh, the mm. incident. <laughs> but yeah, every every scene with Nick Nolte essentially leads him walking out of a car with a bunch, you know, with <laughs> Schlitz cans just trailing him. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy before Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, he likes to say fuck a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. Yeah, back in the eighties, then he decided to stop, and then he just lost all his class. Yep. Kind of sad. What's number six, Mike? Number six, we've got Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Khan! Yes, we need say more, no more. Yeah. <laughs> number five, Porky's. What are your memories of Porky's? Um, my memories probably come to, come down to Kim Cattrall. As Lassie. <laughs> I was waiting for him to get a drink of water first. God damn you. Oh my god. I... See, Porky's was one of those movies that when I was a kid, that was like, kind of like... You know, that was the gold medal of, ooh, I stayed up late to watch Porky's while my parents yeah. were asleep on HBO. Um, this is... This, I mean, when you talk about sex comedies, yeah, you got... Uh, you got Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but... 
it didn't hold a candle as far as sex comedy. Oh, boy. Porky's. Well, Porky's was, at the time, the highest-rated R-rated comedy until Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Um, I You know when I finally saw it, though? I saw it when I was 20 years old, when I was in college. Ooh. I never got a chance to see it. it. There was a point where it was just like, ooh, I'm going to stay up late and watch it, which turned into me forgetting about it completely. <laughs> and then dozing off. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's that one. Mike, what's number four? Rocky three. Fools will be pitied. Yes. <laughs> number three, an officer and a gentleman. You ever seen this one? Uh, thankfully, no. Oh, boy. Ugh, so much melodrama. The, the weirdest thing, and this is like my only takeaway from this movie, and it's so sick. My only takeaway from this movie was I was astounded by how small Deborah Winger's boobs were. It's like, seriously. It's <laughs> like olive oil. <laughs> and apparently Deborah Winger and uh, Richard Gere hated each other. I, it would make sense. Usually the most passionate love scenes are done by the people who can't stand each other. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you take uh, number two, Mike? Number two. Tootsie. Yes. Great movie. You really need to watch it. Yeah. okay. Yeah. And we're going to leave off number one because you know what it is, but we're going to get to it in a little bit. Yeah. Because there's a lot to talk about. I just got to say this one. Um, now I'll get to it when we get to it. When we talk all right, all right, all right. So now let's do a comparison here. All right. All right, we, we went through the top grossing movies, the movies that people paid money to see in 1982. Mm-hmm. Now let's go on to, um, we'll, we'll refer IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, for the top ten most popular feature films released in 1982. Because everyone else pretty much does as well. Exactly. Mike, why don't you take the first one? All right. First Blood. Wow. Do you, have you ever seen First Blood? No. I am, I've, I've seen clips of it, and it's pretty much just, just um, Sly Stallone yelling a lot and then blowing things up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the amazing thing about First Blood, uh, first of all, it was the, the pre-Rambo. Yeah. Is that, you know, you would think that in order to drive a guy this insane and drive him into the woods and, and you know, kill an entire local state police force... You think rape would have been involved somewhere in there, <laughs> not just like you know, just torturing him with a with a high pressure water hose. You know, <laughs> I'm just amazed Brian Dennehy didn't be like, "All right, well, Screw grab your ankles, boy. grab your ankles." Um, I've only seen this movie once. It's yeah. the sick thing is though, it's the best Rambo movie ever. <laughs> Because we've mentioned this before, most Rambo movies involve a couple of things. Rambo stalking his prey from behind, coming up behind them, slitting their throats, and then something exploding. And generally it ends with Richard Crenna telling him to go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. And then you wait five years and then they've got another <laughs> mission for him. Yeah, what other what other country what, what other oppressed countries can we bring him to? Well, let me see. Who has he killed before? Now who can he kill again? Well, they they haven't sent him to like um, any of those African countries with the warlords yet. Well, they're waiting for him to turn seventy. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right, number nine on the most popular list is Tron. Tron. All right, eight. Eight. We've got Poltergeist. Number seven. Conan the Barbarian. You've seen this movie, right? Yeah. Conan is the... It really is the high watermark of sword and sandal movies. Yeah. Because it is so... First of all, I think they shot the entire thing through a paper bag. Yeah. Because it is so dark. 
whenever you watch anything in that movie, it's like everything is pitch black, and you better pray to shit that there's a fire somewhere <laughs> in the scene. But I mean, let's face it that that's you can't get better casting than Arnold Schwarzenegger for Conan. No, you can't. And this is around the time they let him do his own talking. Oh yeah, they hadn't before they him over had yet. Arnold Strong. But when you um. When you watch this movie, there's only that there, there's that one piece that everybody remembers. But what is best in life? The open step, three tours, falcons at your wrist, the wind in your hair. Wrong! Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. And it's amazing (laughs) just how awful that accent is, first of all, and secondly, why it never went away. He's been an American citizen for over 40 years. He's been a governor of California, and he still doesn't sound any better than he did back then. And he also adds like three syllables to California, (laughs) too. California. (laughs) Um, Not really. It's not my favorite Arnold movie. No. I don't think it's my favorite Arnold movie of the, uh, the 80s. Terminator. Um, uh, if I gotta go 80s for Schwarzenegger, oh Come good on. lord. What, what other No, no, it's The Running Man. The Running Man is my favorite Schwarzenegger movie from the 80s. And I'm gonna have to deduct points for Richard Dawson. No, uh, no, Richard Dawson was fine in that movie. It was Jesse Ventura that was ridiculous. Alright, do you want to just split the difference? We'll just say Predator. Okay. Alright, there we'll we go. go. with that. Alright, cool. Number six, Mike. We've got Gandhi. Well, uh, the Academy Award winner for Best Picture in 1982. I have never seen it. You've never seen Gandhi? It's a tough movie to get through. Which is why I've never seen it. Autumn and I rented this on DVD. Much like most David Lean movies, like, I love Lawrence of Arabia, Mm -hmm. but damn if I've actually sit through the entire thing in one sitting. It's like three and a half hours long. Yeah, so is Gandhi. We watched Gandhi, uh, we rented it on Netflix about three or four years ago. We got an hour and a half into it, and then it's like, okay, there's an intermission. Let's just send it back. <laughs> it's it, it's a tough movie, too, because it's one of these movies that's just begging you to please. We want you to come to hell. Please make fun of it. Okay, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be peaceful, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this is pretty much the movie that was begging for the Academy Award. Yeah. It. Oh, it's, it's it definitely was was built on Oscar bait. Now, here's an interesting thing about um, the five nominees for Best Picture that year, with the exception of the article of the, mm-hmm. all five of the movies were one word movies. Huh. E. T. Mm-hmm. It's not really E. T. The Extraterrestrial. It's E. T. Yeah. The Verdict. Gandhi. Missing and Tootsie. Tootsie was a Best Actress? Tootsie was a Best Picture nominee. Wow. And a Best Supporting Actress winner for Jessica Lange back when she was attractive. For that, like, one year span? Huh? That yeah, one year span? No, she, 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 she kind of ruled the 80s with cuteness. Uh, King Kong? Yeah, that was a different story altogether. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really need to see her getting finger-banged by a giant ape. <laughs> um, Number five. Number five is E.T. We're moving on. Uh... Number four. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Fun mm-hmm. movie. Sean Penn stole that movie. Yes, he did. He absolutely did. That's why he's always on the poster art. There is one thing I wanted to bring up about Fast Times at Ridgemont High that I didn't talk about earlier. Is that even though it's billed as a comedy, when you watch it, 
it's really kind of depressing. I mean, there's abortion in it. There's, um, you know, getting your heart broken. There's a, there's a lot, you know, be, your friend stealing your girl. There's a lot of depressing stuff in there. If you took there. Sean Penn out of that movie, it wouldn't be a comedy, really. No, it would not be. And we just needed our prototypical stoner, yeah. which every high school had that one guy who wanted to be Spicoli. That was my skull. I'm so wasted. <laughs> uh, number three, The Thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on The Thing? Um, it is a freaky movie. I I enjoy The Thing, and here's my thought with the, the John Carpenter slash um, Kurt Russell movies. Most of them are overrated. Except what? for uh, except for Big Trouble in Little China. I, I like Big Trouble in Little China. I haven't watched it in a while. I haven't watched it in a little while, but realistically speaking, most of their movies are really kind of overrated. Escape from New York is an awesome concept. They got mired in the fact that they didn't have much of a budget to work off no. of. And let's face it, Snake Plissken, while an awesome character, should have been played by a different actor. Kurt Russell could not really yeah. pull off the... Yeah, he's he's not really a good actor. He's, he, he's too clean cut, really. A little bit. I mean, he can be rugged, but... But the thing with the the thing with the thing is that it, it is really a, a scary movie because you don't know what that thing's going to turn into. Right. Yeah. And that, there's that scene where you know that one guy has been infected, mm-hmm. and they start torching the creature that's growing out of him, but the guy's face is like shrieking. That's terrifying. Yeah. Clear. Clear. Ah! Um, I heard the prequel, though. Don't even waste your time. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, number two, Mike? Number two, Sophie's Choice. Yep. Um, have you ever seen this movie? Again, no. All I've right. never seen this one. I hadn't seen this. It was like one of those movies I just had no interest in seeing. But um, in college, my friend Julie loved this movie. And she invited me over to her room to watch this movie because like, she just said, you have to watch this movie. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it with her, and there's the scene. Mm. All right, I'm I'm going to spoil it because chances are, if you're listening to Geek Salad, there's a very little chance that you're probably going to watch uh, Sophie's I think I Choice. Know what, I think I know what this scene um, is. Yeah, Sophie is a um, a Holocaust survivor, yeah. and when she's brought into the camp, she's got a, a a son and a daughter, and one of the guards makes her choose which one she's going to keep with her, mm. and that's the choice that she's got to pick her son or her daughter. And we're watching this, and I'm like, oh, God, this is kind of melodramatic. And I turn and look at my friend Julie, and she is, like, wiping tears with the palm of her hand off of her face. It's like she can't even just use her fingers. The palm of her hand. 
Like like a flesh squeegee just How oh, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> Does she does she choose a son or daughter? I I think she chose the daughter. I'm surprised. Which always just, you know, follows in with my theory that uh, moms always love their daughters best. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last movie on this list is Blade Runner. Yeah. I yeah. Say what you will, very influential movie. It is. I just found it boring. All right. Now, Mike, you, 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 you came up with a list of fluff, like bad movies that were released this year. We always, you know, we, we remember how great the movies were. Yeah. Let's go over the bad ones. Well, let me see if you got... Uh, Amityville 2. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got uh, Grease 2. Yeah, which Chris mentioned. Um, did you, all right. Have you ever actually seen Grease 2? I've seen parts of it. I've seen enough to know I didn't want to see more. Right. Now, I I hate the original Grease with the white-hot passion of a thousand suns. See, I don't mind the original Grease. I will not watch it. Yep. I will not actively seek it out and watch it. Okay. But if I if I see it, I will like tap my foot along with some music. Yeah. I I mean I did it in high school, so I feel like I'm blaspheming that I um I don't like it because I had a great time doing it. But and I played Eddie Deason's part. Thank you very much. Um. <laughs> Come on, you you couldn't hold a torch to the Deason. Oh, I don't know. I could. I could. <laughs> Look at these glasses. Look how thick these glasses are. But um. <laughs> Grease 2 was just like, it was such a, a poor man's Grease 1. Yeah. Like, I was reading the trivia on IMDb, and they were like, they didn't even have the script ready. <laughs> like, characters vanished. Like, characters <laughs> they introduced in the beginning of the movie and, and carried on through halfway through the movie vanished without any expo- ex- explanation, including Dee Dee Cohn, who was returning as Frenchie from the original movie. That sounds like Mortal Kombat 2, the movie. Real? Oh, God, you remind me. Who vanished it, like... Everyone. I mean, Scorpion and, Sna- and Sub-Zero showed up for five minutes, then yep. they left, and you never see him again. Oh, Jesus. Nighthawk appeared and vanished, you never see him. <laughs> Half the characters just appeared and then vanished. Okay. That was a bad movie. What else you got? Halloween 3. What is it with all these sequels? And these are pretty awful sequels, too, because Halloween 3 sucked. Yeah. Halloween, I mean, Halloween 3, it's the Michael Myerless movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got Pink Floyd, The Wall. I'm so glad you brought that up because someone actually wanted us to use that as our um, music, our, our, our intro music. Which... That is pro. You have to be high on something very, very heavy in order to under in order to enjoy that movie. Uh, it's it's tough. It, it, it's tough for me to agree with that point of view. And the only reason why is because I, I love Pink Floyd. Mm. Um, if Jim were here, he'd probably be throwing down. Jim's got like the Dark Side of the Moon tattoo. Yeah, good. For so him. yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it, it definitely is just kind of an oily movie, though. Again, very, very dark, which was filmmaking style back then, mm-hmm. I guess. Plus, I, oh, who, was, who was that? It was Bob Geldof that, played I, Pink I, I, in I the movie. I really don't like Bob Geldof. Okay, well, I mean, I, I could have done without watching him shave his own nipples off, but uh, <laughs> I, I liked it, but it is, it's, it's definitely like a late night, you've had too much to drink, yeah. maybe you had a little too much weed. Yeah. Um, the World According to Garp. Oh, God. You want to talk about a movie that was billed as a comedy and then turned out to be anything but? <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? No. It is Robin Williams as absolute unfunniest. And, I, and I'm taking that as someone who can't stand Robin Williams. Um, Alright, so let me get this straight. So, it's it's a comedy about a woman who uh, impregna- is, gets impregnated by an invalid... 
raise just so she can raise a child whose name is Garp. Okay. Um, played by, by Robin by Robin Williams. Williams. Uh, the mother turns out to be a um, a feminist savior who gets assassinated, and um, he gets shot by one of her followers. Oh, and by the way, uh, one of their kids is killed in a car wreck, and the other one loses an eye. Nice. Yes. We'll laugh a minute. <clears throat> I've got a few honorable mentions for good ones here. All right, I? what do you got? I've got um, we got Creep Show. Okay, Creep Show is actually not a bad movie. Huh. That's a fun little showcase. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three in three D. <laughs> that was the first one with the mask. Oh, that's right. That's its claim to fame in yeah. the three D. Yeah. And I got The Secret of Nim. I am amazed nobody brought that up. Good job, Michael. That one, again, when I first saw that, that movie freaked the hell out of me. Okay. It is not a, it is not a kid's animated movie. No. No, it is not. But it is a good animated movie. We watched that a couple of months ago. It was one of these movies that I bought for Autumn for a gift for something. Birthday, yeah. anniversary, something like that. And it was just—it was still sitting in the wrapper, and we're just—we're just hanging around, like, what are we gonna watch? I don't know, something on TV. I like—I look at it, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the secret of Nim. We haven't watched this yet. Okay, pop it on. Let's see if it's okay for Scarlet to watch. It was not. Oh okay. god, no! Oh my god, I had forgotten how violent that movie is. Yeah, and how terrible the owl. Oh, the owl. I mean, the owl kills things. As it and is like, talking to Mrs. Brisby. It flicks its head completely around. I'm yep. like, oh, we're talking exorcist twist. I mean, characters get stabbed in the goddamn back. Yeah. Oh, oh God. But it is a very well-made yeah. movie, though. The only thing I probably could have done without was Dom DeLuise as, as the crow. Yeah. A needless comic relief. Yeah. The dino, buddy. I've if actually, you will. I've actually read the book. I have, too. Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. Very oh, it's, different. it's it's very well. The the characters that end up dead at the end of it are very different. Yeah, and there's no magic amulet. No, thank God for that. <laughs> no magic amulet. Was it, I think Shannon Doherty did one of the voices of one of the mice. Really? Yeah. It had to have been the daughter. Yeah, it was the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a fantastic little animated movie. It, yeah. it, out of all the Don Bluth movies, it's the best one he did. What other ones were there? American Tale, Anastasia. Oh, um, oh I don't know. Oh, American Tale. I got a soft spot for American oh, Tale. Oh, Mike. I do. But you were, you, were, you were under 10 when that movie came yes, out. Yes, and I watched that. it over and over. I loved that movie. I was 14 when that movie came out, so I thought it was garbage. Yes, of course you would. That's just me. Yes, I'm a cynical, <laughs> cynical asshole. Yeah. So, what, did you get anything else? Or? No, that All was right. it. So, we've been putting it off long enough. I mean, if you haven't figured out what we we're leading up to, we're going to talk about The number e. one movie of the, of the year. Four hundred Over $400 million in the box office. Just, just to put this in perspective, Tootsie, the set, number two movie, made $177 million. Three times as, as much. much. And E.T. was the number one movie, like the top grossing movie, for 15 years. Until Jurassic Park. No. Really? Star Wars Episode Four, where the re-release put the the, the tabulation over E.T. If you're talking about single release, though, if you're talking single release, it Jurassic Park was. I think Jurassic Park, but they're they're actually I think they're talking like total gross. Okay. Because that counts. Yeah. 
So you've got E.T. E.T. gets usurped by Star Wars. Star Wars gets usurped by Titanic. Uh, Titanic went for 11 years, and then Avatar is now the number one highest grossing movie of all time. How sad is that? It's terrifying. It's just gone downhill. Yes. But let's talk about E.T., shall we? Phone. Phone? He said phone? He said phone? Can't you understand English? He said phone. Home. You're right. That's E.T.'s home. home. E.T. Home phone. E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home. Have you had occasion to watch E.T. recently? Yes. When did you watch it? Did you um, watch it like in the last couple of weeks? No, more like the last couple of years. Oh, okay. From U.S. recently. All right. We watched it this week. I love that movie. It is, it, it's a really good movie, and I'm, I'm kind of finding now, being older and being a parent, mm-hmm. that I, have a, I really have a soft spot where I start to get a little weepy when... You know, like when Elliot and E.T. are saying goodbye. Oh. I start, I, I, I am now, I'm getting like that, you know, Sam running through the airport in, in Love Actually type of. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I start to tear up every time I see yeah. that. And then, it, and then when the flower starts coming back to life. Yeah. Oh, wow. When um, I first saw this movie, I saw it like three times in the theater. And it was like, the, the, the whole, the whole summer this movie came out was a weird summer for us because it was kind of like the, it was. It was kind of like the official, my parents are getting divorced summer. Uh. We actually lived, we spent most of the summer with my mom at my grandmother's house in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would come back every couple of weeks and I'd, I'd stay with my dad. And it was just weird. I mean, I, I really thought at one point we were going to end up living with my grandmother. And it was just a, it was just a weird summer for me. And watching this kid who was my age mm-hmm. going through kind of the same thing where the mother is recently separated from the dad. Yeah. Um, and it was just like I could really identify with that kid, and I really wanted, I really wanted there to be like an ET, which is really sad and projectionist on my part. But um, we went to go see it. My mom took myself and my sister. My sister was five, no, she was seven when it came out. And I'm, so we're sitting there watching it, and the scene where ET flatlines, mm-hmm. I look over, and my mom and my sister are just like bawling. There's, <gasps> and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> How old were you at this time? Ten. I was yes. ten. So, yeah, that's my... How e- cynical were you at ten? Really? I had just gone through a lot, my friend, okay? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's just... Now, Autumn brought up a really interesting point that she really wanted me to mention. None of this, none of this entire scheme of getting E.T. to call phone home would have happened today. Because back 30 years ago, kids were allowed to ride their bikes into the woods, into the flat areas of the big dark woods behind their houses and their developments. Yeah. And they could stay out at all hours of the night playing, uh, you know, going trick-or-treat. Mm-hmm. And and they had speaking spells. They had Well, they did have speaking spells. <laughs> but, you know, there, there was like that freedom there. And now there's also that scene at the very beginning where all the they're all around the table playing D&D. Oh, yeah. And it's like, first of all, the mom has to be, it's really trying to be the coolest mom in the, in the world because she's letting one of the kids smoke yeah. in the house. 
She's traipsing around in a nightgown. Not even a nightgown. She's wearing her bathrobe. Well, that it's was like, that was uh, D. D. Wallace. D. Yeah. Wallace, yeah. Yeah. She was, you know, just taking the, taking the um, the lonely mom thing a little too far, in my opinion. <laughs> um. Gee, my son's friends are kind of attractive. Not really. No, they're really. They're all kind of nerdy, dorky. (laughs) There's like that one guy who looked like young Steven Spielberg too. He was the one with like the, the um, the the gigantic headphones. Oh yeah, (laughs) probably cutting. The one that wore like the the... he wore the aviator hat that looks like all the hats that Steven Spielberg wore around that time. He even had the same like hair and face as Steven Spielberg. Mm. Um. But then there's that scene, like, closer to the end of the movie, right before they, they make their getaway to go bring E.T. back to the ship. And Peter Coyote, who's, who's finally, you know, you get to finally see his face. He's... Yeah. He's pretty much trying to pick up Elliot's mom. Oh, yeah. He made quick work of that. It's like, okay, well, we're out of the clean suits. Hey, sweet cheeks, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, so... That lit the full flap. Yeah. Come into a... No, did you... When um, have you watched the remastered or the redone version? Yeah. All right. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm glad that they cleaned it up. Yeah. I wish they left the guns in because it doesn't make any more <laughs> any sense. <laughs> like I'm holding a walkie-talkie, like I'm going to pull the trigger. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you remember that South Park thing? Yes, I do. <laughs> Where all the cops come busting in, they all have walkie-talkies. <laughs> and he's like threatening him like. Okay, there's walkie-talkie, you know how to use it. So, the one thing that really stuck out to me, because realistically speaking, that didn't bother me nearly as much, because it really is just one quick scene. The, insert, the inserting digital E.T., where there was not E.T., or digital E.T. to begin with, hmm. really, I mean, there were, it was, there wasn't like a, a consistent line of quality going through. Some of the effects looked really good. Some of the facial expressions looked really good. But there are some scenes where it's like, oh, look, it's Elliot and his CG friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, well, was Elliot's mom really just drinking beer all by herself? Because there was a lot of cores in that fridge. <laughs> no, I think she probably left him out for for to be the cool mom and left it for her son's <laughs> friends. Exactly. <laughs> She's leaving a trail of them right next to the Reese's Pieces <laughs> upstairs. Uh, and... Reese's Pieces, you know, Eminem, they, the movie, uh, Spielberg went to Eminem and said, can we use yours? No. Wait, no one's going to watch this movie. Yep. And so then, Reese's Pieces. And they, what, they tripled their sales that, that year? Oh, it was, it was a substantial leap. I mean, the thing with, with Reese's Pieces, too, have you, are you on Eminem's or Reese's Pieces guy? Generally Eminem's, but I do love my, me some Reese's Pieces. I do, too. You know, it's I don't even know why I brought that up, because I'm more of a chocolate guy than a peanut butter guy, but I do love peanut butter. Oh, yeah. So I like I liking some Eminem's and some Reese's and mixing them together. So that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, Just yeah, mix yeah. them in your mouth. This little party. Yeah. Um, and then there's, I mean, there's so much product placement in that movie. Coke. <laughs> Seriously. every I don't think these kids drank milk. It was like, okay, uh, what do I want for breakfast? Here's some Kellogg's fruit, uh, Frosted Flakes and a Coke. <laughs> Hey, Elliot did have some Star Wars action figures. He did. That's like one of the first things he taught E.T. was and, how to kill Hammerhead. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I got those things too. Cool. Yeah. Now, the sick thing is, though, the nerd in me is like, that's not Hammerhead, that's Ponda Barba. <laughs> Actually, no. What was Ponda Barba was Walrus Man. Oh, that's right. See? <laughs> I think this is our first. Con- Actually, I think that was the very first conversation you and I had. Was the name of Ponda Boba? Yeah. 
Wow, we really came full circle there. We need to back up a little bit. Um, I mean, all in all, I, I still think E.T. St- stood the test of time. As oh, yeah. dated as it is. It is dated, but the thing is, it never tries to be a modern film. You right. can watch it and you know it's 1982, but it still works as a 1982 movie. I, you know what? I think I figured out the best term for it. It's a time capsule movie. It is a perfect that time capsule good, movie. Good way. Because out of all the movies that we went through, um, I mean, the closest thing that, that is really a time capsule, Fast Times Ridgemont High and Poltergeist. Yeah. Poltergeist was pretty much shot you know, down the street in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Um, directed by Toby Hooper, but really directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, yeah, but, Fast Times Ridgemont High might be the closest thing to that. And that movie was shot in 1981. Mm. So, huge differences then, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we actually spent a little time talking about E.T. It's one of those movies we don't really talk about that much. I mean, I mean, let's face it, everyone, almost everyone has seen E.T. Yes, and if you haven't, you're a dirty, dirty commie. <laughs> now, we're going to lock you in a room, you're going to listen to Eye of the Tiger, and that'll be the end of it. You're going to listen to Eye of the Tiger, and you're going to watch E.T., and you'll come out spouting, you know, the... Uh, then you're just gonna use. you're gonna demand to watch Blade Runner. Yes, demand it. So and then you're gonna go to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. 19, well, 1982. We salute you. Um, and we're gonna salute you again and again and again this year. Yes, exactly. Several times over. And yes. don't don't be afraid because in two years we're gonna go over Mike's favorite year of the 80s. 84. Yes, exactly. We'll do the whole thing over again. It's 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 astounding. Yeah. So let's go on to our segments. Um, first off, let's go with... Stupid! Stupid! Mike, what did you hear? Well, I just came back from Disney, Disney World. Yes, welcome back. Yeah. And apparently... I mean, this has been in the news, but um, it kind of struck me home struck home when I saw uh, an image on a, on a billboard on a behind-the-scenes tour for it. They're making either an Avatar ride... Or an attraction, or a land, or something. It is based on Avatar. God damn it. You know what the sick thing is? I blame myself. We should have seen this coming. Yeah. I mean... I think we did, actually. And we were still kind of disgusted by it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the sick thing is... I mean... Let's go back. Yeah, let's go back to 2009 and yell at Avatar some more. Um... Was it... Oh, yeah, it was 2009 when we were yelling at Avatar. Um... Seriously, I don't think people really like this movie anymore. No, I mean, what it, James Cameron movies are great at being fantastically loved for the first year. Yeah, and then everybody and then just that, seems to lose interest in yeah, it. Yeah, after and that, it's like... So it's like you're going to have this avatar park, you're going to have the big tree. That's going to be the thing, the big tree. And you're going to have people walking around in blue makeup. Yep. Trying to stick their tails into other <laughs> people's... Things. It's just going to be dirty and stupid and poorly written. There'll be some message in there somewhere. Yeah, humans bad, plants good. <laughs> All right, I got it. We got it. We got to move because I, I can't talk about Avatar anymore. Okay, but you know what I can talk about? Okay, let's go to Trailer Park and talk about the new Avengers trailer. has started and we are hopelessly outgunned director fury 
I think it's time. You're here with a mission, sir? Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. Doctor, we need you to come in. What if I say no? I'll persuade you. What are you asking me to do? It's called the Avengers Initiative. I thought I didn't qualify. Apparently I'm, what is it, volatile, self-obsessed, and don't play well with others. I think they need a timeout. Oh, break oh. out the lotion. Yes, exactly. Oh, beware the lonely sock. <laughs> it's, um, seriously, I mean, they, I, I really do think they're doing everything right with this release. Every time I see another trailer for that, I just want to see this movie more and more. Oh, it's getting so close. We are oh. less than two months away. Um, this movie better not suck, because I'm going to be ripped to shit if it is. There's going to be an entire episode of why this movie should suck. You're... You're going to listen to Andy pull his hair out. It'll be amazing. <laughs> um, this trail, I mean, this trailer gave you way more of the characters. Yeah. Way more of... Uh, the big thing it really gave you more of was Hawkeye. Yeah. This was the first real Hawkeye-centric trailer. Well, it gave you more of Hawkeye and of uh, Black Widow. And of the Hulk. Mm. You see the Hulk a lot more in this one than you did in any others. And he's yes. actually doing stuff. Yeah. And he's enormous. Quite right, quite right. And I'm glad we're getting more of a great Mark Ruffalo. Yes, we are. I, it's going to be really it's going to be really hard to talk about this movie without really knowing much of what's going on. Mm. But when we count down to the Avengers, God bless the God bless toys because toys bring spoilers. Oh, I know what I'm getting for my birthday. Yep. Legos. Lots and lots, lots of Lego and lots Avengers. Of yep. Now, have you seen the playsets? Yes, I yes, have. Yes, you have. Yeah, have you seen the new villains? I've only seen Loki. All right. Do you know who his army's going to be? Is it the Kree or the Skrull? It looks like it's going to be. Now, this isn't official, so I might be full of shit on this. It might be the Kree. Okay. Which would make more sense in terms, well, a budgetary-wise. I'm sure it's a lot easier to do the Kree than the Skrulls. But... I mean... Well, the scroll, you really have to base an entire movie around that. Yeah, you do. But, I mean, I think what they might do is the Kree might be the, you know, the chosen adversaries of the Avengers until they turn around and then just knock Loki back into whatever portal he came from. And then you can introduce the the scrolls kind of as the, the, the tail end, like maybe the stinger at the end of the uh, credits. Yeah, okay. Kind of like, because, um, I mean, we, we've heard the rumor that Maria Hill is, is a scroll because... They screwed up and for like a day on IMDb had Maria Hill slash and then some scroll queen name. Uh, personally, I think that was someone else. Like some, because you know, you can submit whatever you want to IMDb. Right, exactly. It's like Wikipedia. Right. So I guess we're going to see. Yep. We're going to see. But these Legos look fucking awesome. And you know what happens when you get Legos? You get Lego video game. Yes, you do. And. Andy's a happy, happy boy. And the fact that the uh, Lego Hulk figure is twice as big as the regular Hulks. I can't wait to see if he pulls people's arms off like Chewbacca (laughs) on the Star Wars Lego game. Well, no, no, because Lego arms don't come off, but Lego heads do. That's right, they do. All right, let's let's move on to the salad shills. Mike, what do you got to shill this week? Well, uh, like I mentioned, I just came back from Disney World. Yep. 
Um, and if you if you're heading down there anytime recently, um, like Adam and Jim are, yep. I highly recommend the behind uh, Keys to the Kingdom t- tour. Okay, it is a behind the scenes tour, um, and it does take you behind the scenes. I mean, you go back into uh, they call it the back lot. Yeah, but they show you know, like I saw them working on the. Um, uh, electric light parade floats. Okay, getting that, getting those guys ready. I uh, saw so, uh, uh, the. I saw uh, basically they're a line. Uh, it's a bit of a spoiler if you don't want to. <laughs> if you don't want to ruin the fantasy, just just zip forward like three minutes. Exactly. There, there are actually lines where like if you know the, uh, the parades. Yeah, they have to keep up characters. The character until they get past that line, and because then they're completely out of sight of everyone. Huh. If there if there's even a chance that they can be seen like through an open doorway, they have to stay in character. Okay, that's interesting. So uh, by the way, that wasn't really all that spoilery. So just go back three minutes. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what else you got? Uh, I also picked up yesterday and played pretty much all of yesterday. <laughs> Mass Effect Three. Please explain because I don't really play a whole lot of video all games right. anymore. Uh, the Mass Effect series is basically is based around the main character. Um, Commander Shepard. Okay. Um, you can design him, him or her, however you want. Oh, cool. But basically it follows her, his or her journey um, as she... Yes, my, my Commander Shepard is a female. Yep. It's, okay. It's That's called cool. Femshep. Femshep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it follows them as they become what's called the Spectre, which is kind of like this uh, black ops group for the, gov- for the alien government. Yep. And they uncover this this race of, of aliens called the Reapers. They're like okay. a mechanoid gr- group that every 50,000 years they come in, pretty much wipe out all civilization in the universe, right. and then leave. Huh. Um, and she actually finds out that they're coming again, and she's been spending these three games trying to stop them. Huh. And Mass Effect 3 begins with the Reapers showing up and completely destroying Earth. Well, not completely destroying, but... They're, they begin completely wiping out all life on Earth. Mostly destroying Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and so pretty much the entire story of Mass Effect 3 is Shepard has got to rally, rally all the alien races to try and fight fight back. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Excellent. It, it is an epic, epic sci-fi story. Excellent. Um, and for myself, um, Jim loaned me uh, the Star Wars Darth Plagueis book. So I have learned everything I need to know about um, the Darth the the Darth Sith Lord that trained Palpatine to become Darth Sidious, a young Sidious, a young Sidious, yes, and yes. then how Sidious came into possession of Darth Maul mm-hmm. and trained him, a Darth Maul who, by the way, will be coming back this week in the season finale of uh, Clone Wars. Oh, cool! Yeah, so there's a whole convoluted explanation I'm not going to get into. Isn't he dead? Well, yes, he was sliced in half, but he got better. <laughs> I'm getting better. But um, it, it's a really interesting book because it, it really takes you behind a lot of the stuff that you learned in um, the prequels, or saw in the prequels, or heard about in the prequels, and, and really brings it to life. Um, Master Sifo-Dyas, mm-hmm. the guy who actually um, commissioned the Clone Army, yeah. is a character in this. No. Um, I spent a lot of time with the book and my and my Android. So I could read and like I would see um, 
species, like alien species names. I have to go look those up. Mm. So, you know, Bins and, and Grands, I remember exactly who they are now. Nice. But it's it, it's actually a fairly violent book, too, oh. because, you know, they are well, Sith yeah, Lords, Sith, after yeah. all. The, um, whole, the whole mission is to kill your mentor. Right. But it is it is an excellent read. It's one of the better Star Wars books I've read. That's good. So definitely check it out. Um, and so that wraps up another fine episode. Quite. Well, yes, the, the duo is back, and... Hopefully the next episode we'll have a decent a decent grouping. Yes. Um so next episode, uh episode sixty four, we are going to finally tread some ground. We haven't t- tread in three years. Yes, yeah, it's gonna... episode three, four? No, twelve. Oh really? It was episode twelve because I've been listening to it in my car to get some notes. Well I'll be We've come a long way since then, but we're gonna be talking about WrestleMania's eleven through twenty. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna be talking Pretty much from the, the, the period where they were getting their asses kicked on a weekly basis by WCW all the way to the Attitude Era. And talking about such stars as Steve Austin, The Rock, Chris Jericho, and a whole mess of others. And The Undertaker. And The Undertaker, you yes. We cannot forget The Undertaker. Um, you can't talk about WrestleMania's That's 11 true, through it's 20 especially without. 11 through 20, without talking about The Undertaker. You're absolutely yeah. right, Mike. So if you have any favorite matches, teams, wrestlers, whoever... We know you do. We know you do. You can get to us at geeksalad at yahoo.com. You can post a note on our Facebook page, which, by the way, if you haven't liked it already, please begin liking it now. I like it a lot. You can also check us out on Twitter at geeksaladradio. Um, and then there's also our Stitcher app. So if, you, if you've just bought yourself a new smartphone, you could do worse than download the Stitcher app for free. And you can also listen to um, their episodes on Facebook as well. Exactly. We got that on there. And also, check out the archive, www.geeksalad.podbean.com, where we'll definitely try to be a little more, a little better about po- posting stuff up. Yeah. I had my mea culpa earlier in the week, so at least you got Trailer Park out of it. Nice. <laughs> so I'll have to post the new Avengers trailer up there as well. Yep. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. Go forth. And be nerdful. We'll talk to you soon. Time.